Source for Stateside Views on Everton Football Club. Hosted by Alex Johnson, James Boyman, and Ryan Williams. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the American Toffee Podcast, Twitter Space Edition. We are, uh, Alex and I are here, joined by a few folks, basically just bracing ourselves for the return of Everton Football Club in a little under four days now. It's been a stress-free break, watching some high stakes with limited personal stakes after the U.S. got eliminated, uh, international football, greatest World Cup final of all time, arguably, and as a uh, dessert to that fantastic match we get Everton versus Wolves the day after Christmas uh we're excited to talk about a few different things we're gonna start with just like a recap of our our squad assessment I picked five of my maybe not favorite but most illuminating stats from our three-part squad assessment that we recently did uh you can find the link to those in the USA Toffee Pod uh bio we're then going to talk just briefly about Everton's 2-0 victory over Aston Villa behind closed doors yesterday We've also got Anthony Gordon and Alex Wobe rumored contract extensions, a recent athletic article from Patty today talking about Kevin Thelwell's first 300 days as Everton director of football, and then a couple transfer rumors to kick things off. Thanks to those of you that are here. We got a close squad in the space today. So anyone who wants to come up and speak, we've got a few things to run through first and then obviously open the floor to anyone to contribute and would love to hear from you. Um, but to kick things off, Alex, how you doing, man? Good. Good. It's been a uh, stressful week, so it feels good to finally be on a holiday break, hanging out with the squad here, talking Everton. Um, you know, why don't we just uh, go ahead and kick it off with our top five stats? If you want to go first, yeah, sure. So obviously, we did this huge, long, like three hours in total squad assessment, looking at the existing problems at Everton, both the attack, defense, squad as a whole, individual players, and then our most recent episode that came out, we explored some potential solutions. That might be found both with existing personnel and as we look ahead to the January transfer window. But in terms of current performance, uh, number five for me was the stat that Everton are worst in the league in aerial win rate at like 39%. Uh, That's very concerning. Uh, James Tarkowski is by far the best of that bunch. But up front, we can't win anything. Anthony Gordon, Neil Mopai, and Gray all hovering between 23 and 31% unsurprising but then you look at like how much we kick the ball long which is uh the next one it just makes i think maybe the absence of dominic calvert-lewin all the more jarring and glaring for me yeah i mean we talked about it on numerous episodes like why why when he was out for example are we still constantly going long you know even when we're trying to ease him back in and he subs out you know for mope in the in the 60th or the 70th for example we're still going long constantly it's obviously not a formula for success i don't think anyone would look at them that front line in any capacity and say that is a good move. Um, and to your point, uh, the fourth stat in regards to launching the ball, right? While we've seen nearly a 19% decline in launched passes from Jordan Pickford this season, right? So he went from 70% of passes to about 51% of his passes this year being launched. The 51% this year is still second highest in the league, which means that the, there was a league-wide decline in long balls from keepers. There's more focus on possession. It's a different game now. Obviously, the most glaring you know, proof of that is, is Burnley going down um, and out of the league. And, and, and I'm not sure if anyone caught them the other night. People are stating that they have a uh, completely different style this season in the championship, which is probably a good thing. Yeah, I just think the, I mean, the league's constantly getting better. The, the teams that are able to get promoted are doing so with a coherent strategy in place. And, you know, the era of teams who can skate by on just pure like financial advantage is is starting to to dwindle because the playing fields, at least outside of like the biggest clubs, like below the top six or seven teams, the playing field is relatively level. And when you're a team like Everton who've spent so so poorly and so little relative, you know, we talked about the, the spending numbers as well. Um, the teams that are well organized with a coherent strategy are just going to catch up and they're doing so trying to play not launching the ball. They're playing possession-based football. They're playing more attractive styles. And meanwhile, though we're seeing an improvement in some respects from Everton this year, that's, again, a 20% drop, one in five, going short versus long compared to last year. It's still so high compared to the rest of the league. Um, Number three on our list is straightforward enough. Everton are 19th in the league in progressive passes. Um, So near rock bottom. 
can't move the ball forward, can't do it successfully. We don't really even try very often. Um, and that's partially because we're launching it long so often, but also just, you know, we're, we're really seeing such a disconnect between the, the various phases of the pitch, between the midfield and defense, the midfield and attack, um, just really not able to progress the ball effectively, get in the final third and create those scoring opportunities. So should really come as no surprise to anyone. Everton have struggled to score if you've watched any time of us playing this year, but 19th in the league, obviously never great. Yeah. And you know, a huge factor, right? A huge factor is teams know they can pull up and press us and we cannot beat it. We cannot pass around it. We go long every time and we can't win aerials for anything. So I, I, I still have yet to see us be able to handle a press, um, even like a mild press with any sort of positivity. So, you know, we will, we will see, but I think, um, you know, it could signal maybe do we play it safe? Uh, you know, a big part of that is a Wobi like we've talked about too. Um, and then obviously, you know, the attackers. So that brings us to stat number two, which is we are 15th in the league in touches per 90 in the penalty area. Gray and Gordon combined have 91 penalty area touches and only have four goals, zero assists between them. So we're not getting the ball forward very often, clearly. Um, we can't get the ball into the penalty area. And when, when we do, they're not scoring and they're also not creating with the ball. Yeah, look, we can only pile on our wide players so much, but we know the problems there. Um, need more production from wide areas, point blank, period. Need more production from the guys who are getting those minutes. Gray has had some, you know, some of his stats are okay. He certainly has some like high volume dribbles and things of that nature, but creativity and creating chances. And like, you know, Ryan will always say assists are a terrible stat, but even the expected assists and kind of the underlying metrics there are also similarly poor. And ultimately it's about end product, right? So they're just not creating enough point blank period. Um, and so, you know, one of our big recommendations in the squad assessment was like, let's improve in wide areas. And it seems like based on Frank Lampard's recent statements that he's also on board with that. Yep. Which uh, brings us to our, I guess, first, but final stat. That's a, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's number one. I don't know. I numbered the list. None of this. There's not really any order to it. Um, they're all pretty bad. Unfortunately, there were a couple of decent ones in there, but um I thought, you know, the ones that I guess these were the most surprising to me. Right. So this is Everton are second in the league in tackles one, but in all caps, 52% of our tackle attempts are in our defensive third and only 10% are in the final third, uh, which is 17th in the final third, which essentially means we sit back and we go for an insane amount of tackles and blocks in our defensive third. Um, we're not successful in pressing clearly or else we would have more um, tackles won in the final third. Yeah, it's last-ditch defending, I think, is as simply as you can put it. We're that was much always... more eloquently said. I appreciate it. <laughs> we're always under <laughs> He's my a trans- lot of pressure. <laughs> yeah. We're just constantly under a lot of pressure, and we don't get forward, and we're not able to put pressure on other teams in areas where we can win the ball back. Like, you know, it's, it's great, you know, winning the ball in your defensive third, but when we can't progress it off of that, okay, that's a huge problem. Then you probably want to start seeing us winning the ball higher up the pitch so we then don't have to move it that far to get into dangerous areas and scoring opportunities. So, um, yeah, I mean, all in all, the, 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 the squad assessment is, was quite depressing. Um, right. So, I mean, you may ask us, what what are we good at? And and I would say we have we have luck and we have Jordan Pickford. And that's been that that is why we are not in the relegation zone currently. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Um, <laughs> that's pretty much the summary right there. And before we started recording, we had Garrett on here. Garrett, I don't know if you wanted Garrett post. I don't know if you wanted to chime in because you said you were doing some uh, statistical analysis for an article you were writing and came to a similar conclusion. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I mean, you guys pretty much took words straight out of my mouth. I have very, very similar thoughts. Another thing about our deficiency going forward is that we give the ball away more than pretty much any other team in the league. So um, we've been the easiest team to tackle in the entire league. Our opponents have had a 59.1% success rate in their tackling on our dribbles. Um, and we also lead the league in miscontrolled passes with 258 so far this season. So it's not like last year where it was so pragmatic that we, you know, we were essentially parking the bus and that's why we had so little possession. We're definitely trying to keep a bit more possession. We saw that against Bournemouth 
we're just really bad at it. Um, and so you, we know that last year Lampard came in. He wanted to play possession football. Quickly realized he didn't have the players to do it. But it seems like he still kind of doesn't because, you know, it, that's I, I'm not sure how much of that can be coached out of them that we're just getting tackled all the time, um, holding on to the ball for too long. And then our first touches have just been all over the place. Yeah. And one of the other things we, we talked about was the movement, the moves in the summer. And not many of the moves we made in the summer were immediate improvements to the squad. A lot of them were kind of forward looking, which is OK. And you look at someone like Adrissa Gay, who is pretty good in possession and, you know, tackling and winning the ball back. But in other areas, there's no getting past the fact, you know, we lost to Charleston. We've got Dwight, Mc- Dwight McNeil in there now who can't even get forward hardly ever, um, if at all, and is, is pinned back so often. So his utility offensively hasn't really we haven't seen much of it. Um, so it, it paints a pretty bleak picture, but that said, if we're so bad guys, how the heck did we beat, uh, Unai Emery's Aston Villa 2-0 behind closed doors yesterday? The With... great... <laughs> I mean, what the, the, the genius tactician Emery, but it looked like, you know, the reports were obviously, you know, we, I, I saw a very blurry video of the Anthony Gordon goal is really nice finish that I think was in like the eighth minute. And then Neil Mopai chimed in just five minutes later and, then uh, the lack of spectators were treated to 70, 80 minutes of scoreless, potentially very ugly football from that point on. But I don't know. I mean, Everton are back. It's been a really long time. It feels like ages and ages since the back-to-back Bournemouth losses. Are either of you feeling a renewed sense of optimism as we head towards the end of the year and into the January window? I, I don't think anyone is. I, I'm pretty sure everyone on Twitter has been memeing it. I've I've seen some pretty hilarious videos in regards to Ever, Everton being back. Um, you know, a lot of shouts about the fact that, you know, <laughs> Mopay scored and somehow that turned into a conversation about how DCL is still not back and, and healthy and how we're, we're doomed. I think, uh, and then of course, Everton follows up with a picture of, I think, DCL in training. Was that today or, or uh, yesterday? I, I couldn't remember. I saw yeah. it today at least. Okay. Yeah. So, um I, uh, I mean, I, I enjoy watching Everton play like there's something comforting and like just having the match on, even if I'm watching like three matches in a row with no shot on target in 2018. But I, I have to reference that constantly. Um, but I, I don't know how it's going to go. I think it's a huge toss up. And and I uh, for some reason, my my Everton fandom has been filled with, you know, kind of peril right after a break, whether that's an international break or, um, you know, a holiday break or apparently a, a November, December World Cup in Qatar break. Yeah, I was going to say, as you guys know, I was in England for um, like three months and I traveled down for both of those Bournemouth games. It just left a very bad taste in my mouth, um, if that makes sense. I'm not really looking forward to Everton being back, if I'm honest, just because it was it was so, so bad going into the break. Honestly, the break came at the perfect time for us. I mean, what, we didn't score in five of our prior six league games and in six of eight in all competitions heading into the World Cup break. I mean, you, you just don't really get much worse form than that. You know, the Palace game was great and all, but um, it, it, it seemed to be an outlier, right? It's only the second time that we've scored three goals under Lampard um, in, in a Premier League fixture. I think the Leeds win last year being the other one. Um, yeah, I, I think the game against Wolves is really, really big, right? They are also relegation candidates currently sitting bottom of the table, and they're about to splash. 50 million euros on Mateus Cunha or, or whoever, um, right? We were linked with him as well. Um, and, and so I think three points is very, very crucial in this game in the long run. Yeah, and just for the general goodwill and like good spirits of the fan base, it's weird coming in on Boxing Day. Obviously, like the festive fixture for the Premier League is always so hectic and there's such so much going on. But to come back in from the cold to Alex's point, it doesn't seem to really have been Everton's strong suit. I'd love to see the stats of like Everton's record immediately I following would... long breaks. Yes. Um, it feels like it's we're like over in the last three years. That obviously probably isn't right, but just my knee-jerk reaction. Um, but yeah, I mean, but, I'd agree well, with you, Garrett. When we had that winter break under Marco Silva, we came out after that and beat Chelsea, Arsenal, and United in consecutive home games. So maybe I'll, you know, manifest some of that <laughs> coming into I'll this. I barely, it's been so long he's been here, I forget almost what he looks like, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Not well, sure we'll, that we'll on him, but I hope. <laughs> we'll get a, we got Nick requesting to come on. We'll bring Nick on stage. Let's do it. And let's transition to uh, first, a Wobi rumored contract extension. 
I think that's going to be a bit of a easier conversation than the next one. Happy about it. Totally happy about it. Welcome, Nick. Have you chime in on us in a, just a second. This has been such a renaissance for Alex Wobie in the eyes of the Everton fan base. I think we've been pretty consistent on our pod about what we felt he could do and bring to this squad for some time. It's great to see Lampard getting that out of him, getting that high level of contribution that we so desperately wanted from him and wanted to see. It's unfortunate that it seems like everyone else around him has regressed as he's improved and come forward. But, you know, with the profile that I don't know the rumor details of the contract, I've heard multiple different reports of like as as much as five years, um, which honestly, at this point, I would be okay with. I still think he's a really, really top player. And if we can put him in the right position to succeed and get some better pieces around him, I still don't think we've seen even close to what his ceiling is. Um, so I feel I feel pretty good about the Awobi signing overall, assuming that it's that it's true and it does come off. It's the one that you look at and you're like, okay, this guy actually has like worked his socks off and he probably deserves this at this point. Yeah, and I, I just I I I beg Frank, please, after the next, you know, couple windows, I, I assume this is gonna happen. It's very heavily rumored. Just just build around him, play him in a position to succeed. Uh, play him in a position in which the team will succeed and and give him just give him some sort of stability in the role that he's playing as well right I mean you know it's great it's great for him to be able to be so versatile and, and it is one of his strengths whether you know that's good or bad for him but you can only get better if you're if you're consistently playing the role that you really want to and you're best at and that would benefit the team uh, most and I'd be interested to hear uh Nick, what you think about the uh, Awobi rumored contract extension as well? Hey, guys. Happy to talk to you. Semi-happy Everton's back. <laughs> Semi-happy until until about Monday at noon. We'll see what happens. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think that was priority number one over the World Cup break, right? We needed to get our best player locked up for the next, hopefully, three to five years. Um like you guys said, I mean, I think being versatile is super important. But again, we know what role he's best in. Um, he needs to play centrally or in the left half space and, you know, have the creativity to do what he does, connect passes, have good touches in the box, and hopefully score a few goals and provide. Um, I think a lot of that's going to come down to finding guys that can play off Awobi, like you just said, Alex. Um, which is why I'm very interested to see what we do um, in this winter window. I think a winger is definitely, definitely top priority. Um, after listening to your podcast, I'd love Ziyech even on the loan. I don't think it'll happen. As an American, I think we'd all love Pulisic, but uh, we need somebody that can play with a Wobi. But I'm really happy that we're going to lock him up because that's number one importance for me, and I know for 98% of Evertonians. And also, too, we haven't even mentioned the fact that you know Wobi didn't necessarily have a good time. Not only because you know he uh, he wasn't getting much game time the first couple of years, but you know because of that, he wasn't really vibing with the fans at all. And and recently in interviews, he specifically used language like you know now I feel good being at Everton. Um, you know, I'm now I am happy here. So at least it's good news that he feels the same and, and is willing to and, and wants to extend his contract too, right? Because um, in the last X amount of years since he came to Everton, his stock hasn't been higher. So it's always good, you know, that he, you know, feels he doesn't have to move away to get what he's looking for. Agreed. And I think uh, we know what a hostile bunch of fans that we have uh, in, in certain situations. So I'm glad we finally played him where he can be most effective and utilize his creativity and his endless motor. Um, I'm just really, really intrigued to see what we can do in January because there are definitely some upgrades needed. But, um, you know, other comments from me, um, I'm interested to see how we line up on Monday. You know, Cody obviously can't play. Uh, do we go back to a three back if if we can play with Mina and Godfrey even if we can get one game out of Mina before Cody can come back um very intrigued to see how we line up I think having Patterson back is going to be an added boost and let's pray that Dom is available um I think that's also very important Moped is okay but I don't think I can watch 20 plus games with him leading the line this spring. And I don't think that would bode well for our survival chances. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it seems like Dominic Calvert-Lewin has a, has a chance to be fit. I, if I, if I were a betting man, I'd say he probably won't start, but we'll see. Um, you know, if he does start, maybe we'll get solid 50, 55 minutes out of him. It would be a big difference for sure. Uh, but he, he really is another one that needs consistency. And, and kind of before we dive into like a really deep talk on squad stuff and, and Monday, we wanted to talk about one more rumored contract extension. Um, this one a bit more polarizing and <clears throat> maybe I, I don't know about for me, but, and that would be 
Anthony Gordon, right? He's rumored to get a contract extension. We all know, um, you know, in the summer, he, there were very, very heavy links to um, some of the top, you know, PL clubs. He seemingly has performed, well, not seemingly, but he has definitely performed uh, less than uh, this season than he did last season. How do you feel, James, first <clears throat> about a possible Gordon contract extension? And we'll say this, or at least I'll say this, um, I haven't seen any figures thrown around and I'm interested to hear uh, what you think, you know, blindly, right? Because I know a lot of people have opinions about it, but this should all be within the context that we don't even know what the numbers are. And I'm pretty sure if you look at transfer market or, or whatever, whatever stat hub it is um, or, or financial information, I'm pretty sure he's on like 10, 15 K a week. Yeah. So I want to, I want to throw that out there before we all (laughs) dive into it. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's important. It's funny. I, I, I want to say Ryan, obviously our, th- our third co-host had a tweet the other day of like, I don't know why people would speculate about a transfer when they don't know anything or, or an extension or a contract when they don't know anything about the deal. I think that's, I'm like reserved about it because as you said, Alex, he's pretty much still on like his, probably his first pro contract or close to it. Yes, Wage yeah. is extremely low. And so if we're looking, it, it all depends on where the alignment is. Like if he's going to 20 K, okay. Like for, for a three, four year deal, probably not 40, 50, 60. If you're getting up towards those numbers, I, I really don't think his performances have warranted it at least this season. I promise um, he will be in those numbers. I'm yeah. sure the high end, I'm sure the high end. Well, there was the, I think total garbage number that was floating around that he was looking for like a hundred K a week or even potentially was offered a hundred K a week no. um, at Chelsea or Spurs. He's not getting that. If we pay him that, that's a, obviously idiotic on our part, flat out. Um, <laughs> but, but a more nuanced deal on like a, a, a decent pay bump for the kid. He is playing a lot of minutes. I think his current wage is not reflective of like what, what, even what he contributes to the squad, even though it's not that much. I agree. I agree. Um, right now. So, so I'm okay with the extension. Also, just sort of locks him down should other suitors come in for him. Um, makes us a little more competitive if we're looking to move him on, though I'm not sure how much interest there really is. Uh, unless he turns things around, which, again, totally possible. We all hope he does. Uh, want nothing but the best and want to see him light it up in a blue shirt. So I'm reserving like full judgment until we know more details. But initial thought is, okay, pay bump for a kid who's on pennies for wages right now. Um, don't have much of a problem with it. Garrett or Nick, your thoughts? Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, the problem is that he is our leading scorer and and a leader in XG in the squad, um, um, which considering his relative lack of output is kind of damning in itself. Um, but I definitely think he deserves a, a little boost. And, um, you know, he's still only 21. I think we definitely want him to stay unless – you know, Chelsea actually did come in with a ludicrous offer, which they actually didn't in the summer, right? You know, th- that deal was never uh, an actual thing, just rumors. But um, I don't know. I-, I definitely think we need more out of him. That goal against Villa um, really looked promising on his weaker foot, really good finish. We need him to do more of that, right? Beat a player, get inside, get a shot off. Him and him and Gray have just been so almost devoid of ideas, Um you know, as you said, Gray will result uh, resort to dribbling a lot. Um, sorry, but he's not actually that successful with them, um, and, and it almost just seems like they don't know where to go, or they don't have any options to pass, and they just try to dribble. And then, as I said, easiest team to tackle in the whole league. Um, so yeah, a, a winger definitely needs to be a priority in January. But I I think maybe a more creative winger. I'm not sure if a goal scoring winger is exactly what we need because at the moment Gordon is pretty much scoring and, and not really creating anything uh, based on his numbers. Um, Damari Gray is not really doing much of either, but I think, you know, if Dom can stay fit, we need someone to unlock his full ability. And for a while, I thought maybe that would be Dwight McNeil. And we still really haven't seen them play together too much um, because of the injuries, obviously. And, but McNeil and Mope cannot play together like that. That doesn't work. The whole point of McNeil is delivering balls in. And it's not like his crossing has been great. Um, But as you said earlier, Alex, that the fact that we've still played long and, and hoofball when Coward Lewin isn't playing is just insane to me because, you know, we, we've seen how Mope can thrive at Brighton, right? And, and it's in possession, the ball to his feet and then playing other guys into the action, right? We haven't seen any of that. It's like, you know, Mope comes in for Calvert-Lewin and the whole squad is just pretending that he's Calvert-Lewin, even though he's about a foot shorter or whatever it is, so. Yeah, um, 
Gordon, I was all for selling him in the summer. Uh, if we were going to get 40 or 50 or 60 or whatever the heck they were going to, they were going to give him. I was all for taking that money and, and improving and upgrading the squad with guys that can produce more now. Um, but as you guys said, if he's on 10 or 15 K a week and we're going to give him a bump, not a hundred K, but you know, a significant bump for a 21 year old kid. Sure. He is leading us in goals. I think, you know, we saw that, that snippet of what he can do in that closed door scrimmage against Villa. I think if we can get three or four of those type of finishes in the spring, that's what we're going to need if we want to be stable and avoid the relegation scare that we had last year. But I think we all know, you know, we need guys that can be creative, like Garrett said. If Calvert-Lewin can stay fit, and I know that's a huge if, who the heck is going to serve him the ball into the box? I think McNeil can do it, but McNeil often isn't in the position to do that. Um, he's also not on the field as much. And Gordon and Gray are kind of like chickens with their heads cut off. I think a creative winger who can produce and link up well um, with DCL is important. But in regards to Gordon, I know the kid has talent, but I also wouldn't be wouldn't be sad if, you know, a team came in for 30, 35 million and, and took them if that could help us upgrade our squad right now and bring in a winger and even hopefully bring in another attacking player like a Kudis or someone like that. So that's yeah, all I so, got. Appreciate you guys. Yeah, thanks, Nick. And, and to build on that too, right, just a point of clarification, kind of to wrap up the conversation, Spot Track has him at 10K per week. He signed a five-year deal in 2020. So He's tied up till 2025, so it's definitely, in my opinion, not a function of you know trying to protect your asset because he's out some you know out of contract sometime soon. This is definitely you know I think uh, probably a good move for both parties, and I'm sure everyone can agree 10k is not indicative of of what he's giving now. So, um, I mean, that's got to be probably near bottom of the barrel wages for a player who's played as many minutes as he has, and to uh, to Garrett's point, is in fact our leading scorer. Um, don't forget it. Yeah, so he, he's an important player, whether you like it or not. I don't love it. I'll put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> don't love it, but recognize like what he represents. And, and again, I still just because he's not performing at 21 years old doesn't mean that he doesn't have a bright future ahead. I think feels like you know many in the game believe that that still is on the cards for him. Um, the next thing we wanted to just touch on was an athletic article that came out from friend of the show, Patty Boylan today. Just the, the title is Inside Kevin Thelwell's First 300 Days as Everton Director of Football. Great article. If you have an athletic subscription, definitely go check it out. Um, just want to give like a quick summary and maybe just discuss our thoughts on his performance so far. A, crazy that it's already been 300 days. Obviously, he was appointed back in February. Similar to, you know, if Bournemouth felt like an eternity ago, Thelwell's appointment feels like aeons ago. Um, but... I think Patty says it best in the article when he says that will begin his work in January flawed structures and pitfalls at virtually every turn. And then he goes on to talk about all of the different appointments that Thelwell has made, including 26 new staff appointed 12 who've moved into new roles. We have now a set piece, set piece analyst and Alex Scanlon new head of sports science and Jack Naylor, James Vaughn obviously brought in his loan pathways manager, new Academy director and Gareth Prosser. And we then, uh, roped Dan Purdy back into this mess with us when he convinced him to return following Benitez's departure. And, you know, the, the general message is seems to be in the article um, that the football hierarchy at Everton has to an extent seen the error of their ways and are willing to commit more to the traditional director of football model as it has been enacted most traditionally. And that is give the director of football actual power, let him do the things he needs to do and let those above him hold him accountable, but stay out of his business. And so the messaging, you know, he's, he's directly negotiating transfers now and new contracts, much more involved in that with less say from the likes of the owner and other board members. Um, and, and overall, I think it's a, it's a positive message. It's clear there's been a lot of change and also clear that there was a lot to fix at Everton. Um, Thelwell seems to be a guy who commands a lot of respect in the game, which we talked a lot about when he was first appointed. And it seems like with what the, the, he's been given a lot of power and how he's leveraged that power has generally been positive from the read from this article. And, and I think just as we've seen the news dropping over the past several months i think most fans would come away with acknowledging how bad it was and that it does seem to be slowly improving uh, but curious to get your guys's thoughts yeah i mean it, it's important to note too like with all these hires so far um the 26 new staff appointed he did a lot of structural changes in-house um with those appointments and and staff moving into new roles 
I'm positive that right now I think they're looking for a couple more roles. I believe something in, you know, scouting and that sort of thing. Don't, uh, don't quote me on that one because I don't have, I, I don't have that note here, but, um, I'm positive. <laughs> so do, uh, Garrett or Nick have any other thoughts on just, you know, the appointments in general, farewell's time before we go into, uh, just a couple transfer rumors from Fabrizio to wrap it up. We yeah. Also Sean, sorry, Garrett, real quick. We just also have Sean Khan on the stage now. So, uh, uh sorry, Sean. Sean. What's up? Glad to have you. Can you guys hear me? We can, yeah. How are, how are you guys doing? Um, mixed bag right now. I feel like we're all kind of trying to talk ourselves off of the cliff of the append- impending Everton return. Yeah. yeah. No, I hear you. I think uh, what's funny too is that you know it, especially with kind of how November ended, the sky was falling. Uh, I fully feel a little bit more optimistic given I did not watch that game. <laughs> I was camping, so uh, that was probably the last game I missed in God knows how long. But it's uh. You know, it's funny. I, in regards to just Delwell, I don't want to regurgitate what was said. Um, I have so much trust in him. You know, obviously in the Discord, I, 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 I think I'm a little bit biased in how much I love Delwell, given, of course, just the job. I think he did a pretty good job when he was the Red Bulls, and then of course how he came to to Everton, and then even at Wolves. Uh, I think you know his track record is good. Um, I think just the only question with him, of course, right, is and it goes back to any of our director of, of football, uh, you know, Marcel and, and, and even before that, it's do they have the latitude to do these kind of things that we need them to do in more of the transfer market? But then also, you know, you think of the board. Right. And the answer for the board is obviously no. But in terms of the transfer window, it, it'll be very interesting because. In the summer window, I think we actually had a very good window. Uh, the incomings, I think, of course, like someone like Dwight McNeil, uh, I think will get better as time goes on, right? But of course, in the in the state we're in, you know, we we can't be too patient, uh, given that we need results. Um, but at the same time, you look at the outgoings, right? Like, I mean, the fact that he was able to get Delhi off the books. I mean, you look at what's happening now, right? I mean that. <laughs> That looks like uh, an absolute masterclass. Uh, what the booze today? The booze, man. I, I, I it's so sad. Crazy. It really is. I mean, just it, it's just sad. I mean, obviously, I actually want him to do well, but it, it just it really seems like a lost cause. And I, I if he yeah. if he if he didn't care when he was at Everton in the in the Premier League, he's he was not going to care in Turkey, right? I, yeah. Oh, is I, is there any way to think? Yeah, no, I, I mean, absolutely. Right. And, you know, it, it, there was a little bit of promise because I think he scored on his first game or whatever. But that's the last like, you know, trying to kind of keep in keep track of, of how he's doing it. It, it, it. It's just obviously. And then you hear kind of the rumors of them trying to cancel the loan and send him back in January. I think uh, Kevin's like, no. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm just I'm actually pretty optimistic in regards to um, not maybe Monday, but just in regards to, I think, doing something in January of substance. And the only reason I say that is just because you look at the teams around us like Wolves with Cunha. I mean, if that figure is really true with 50 million with Cunha, that's idiotic. Um, But that's just my opinion. Um, But uh, I, I think the other teams around us are going to spend so. Even if Farhad is kind of uh, risk averse in, in doing so, I think just the activity, given where we're at and given the teams around us, I think we will end up doing something. Uh, you hope that Caduce is that guy just because I think he fits so well from the versatility standpoint. And I think just in regards to what we actually could spend, it probably will be it probably will be in the, the realm of reality, un, unlike somebody like Cody Gakpo. But uh, no, I, I mean... I feel pretty, pretty decent. Um, obviously, Monday is going to be an interesting one. I think Nick made a good point in how we're going to line up. I'm curious kind of with the time off and, you know, the success they had in, in good old Sydney <laughs> uh, that uh, we'll see kind of, you know, what, what they decide to do. And then also, too, with Dom South, we'll see if he's able to play. But I, I really do appreciate, though, in regards to what Delwell has done, I think a lot of good behind-the-scenes work. I didn't get to read the athletic article, but um, – I've been very, very impressed in regards to at least a lot of the appointments he's made that he's been able to do from just a structural standpoint. But yeah, it'll be curious to see what can happen in January. So, Yeah, I have a lot of the same thoughts, Sean. And the one thing I was going to say is that, um, you know, in the past with other directors, maybe less so Steve Walsh, not quite so sure on, on that front, but at least with Marcel, you know, we know that he essentially left because 
he wasn't allowed to do his job. Mashiri was overstepping and, you know, reading over his shoulder all the time and, and making signings for him, essentially, um, where it doesn't really feel like we've had that problem with, with Thalball. Obviously, you know, we wouldn't really know and we didn't know until Brands had some things to say after he left. But it does seem like Thalball it, it has been given the freedom to actually do his job. Um, you know, it would have been probably a bit more ideal if he had already been in place and then would have been able to choose the manager. Um, but, you know, although, you know, he has, he has a good relationship with Frank. I think I saw Ryan tweeting earlier, you know, like you want your director of football, if he's really in charge of the direction of the football club to be making those appointments too. So God forbid everything somehow get worse and Lampard goes, you know, Thelwell needs to be the one to make that appointment. Mashiri shouldn't be involved, you know, consult the board. Sure. Um, but I think as long as we give him the full reins of the football club and he has the access to the powers which are in his job description that we should be fine because I think he's proven um, that, that he doesn't know what he's doing in this business. Yeah. Agreed. And I'm kind of with Sean. I'm a, I'm a Red Bull fan myself. Um, and Thelwell did a good job there. And I think at the beginning people were like, who the hell is this guy? He hasn't come out and spoken. We don't know what he's doing. We don't, we don't see any anything going on, but I think it was kind of a good thing. They let him do his thing behind the scenes, and clearly they've started to establish an identity and start to hire people that are going to help us grow as a club, and that's been the key, and I think that's where patience is needed is to let Thelwell do his thing, which we didn't let brands do, and let him bring in people that are going to improve our sports performance, which we all know we need, hopefully our training staff to keep players on the field and, you know, in identity. And hopefully that goes down to the youth as well. But I like all that he's done. Um, hopefully, you know, him and Frank and whoever else have identified some, some players to bring in. But again, appreciate you guys have a good Thursday and let's hope uh, boxing day brings some success. Thanks, Nick. Appreciate that. One more thing I just wanted to add on that. Well, and then we can, we do have a, a couple of transfer rumors, which one of them's Cunha spoiler alert. We've already talked a little bit about him. Um, but but on Thelwell, you know, I just I know that a lot of people criticize Brands towards the end of his tenure for not being more vocal publicly um, and not being more of like the face of Everton. And in, in some respects, I think like we basically the, the critique was we never hear from this guy. How do we know he's doing anything? Um, and I, I don't think that really needs to be the role of the director of football. So in some ways, I do like that Kevin Thelwell has operated behind the scenes while still there being clear evidence of results. In reality, the manager should be the public face of at least the first team um, and, and making doing all these interviews. Frank just came out with one today. That's part of their role is like the PR aspect of it. I don't really think that really should fall on the director of football. They're kind of above that. They can be behind the scenes, putting people in positions to be successful and, and just influencing in the right ways that they need to. And, and all evidence points to the fact that Kevin Thelwell seems to be doing that very, very well. Um, with that said, let's move on to the last little piece. You know, if you listen to part three of our squad assessment, we talk quite a bit about Mateus Cunha. We knew that the rumors would potentially that he was leaning towards Wolves. Did not expect that two days after we released the episode talking about how bad we wanted him, that he would be here we go by Fabrizio to Wolves. Uh, as Sean said, it is a loan with an obligation to buy approximately 40 to 50 million. I think if I recall, we were talking about a loan with an obligation around 30 would be around what we might be comfortable with. Um, so this, to Sean's point, feels like a huge outlay. We know that the guy's good. He's versatile and he'll, he'll certainly help Wolves, I think, as soon as he arrives. But that's a lot of cash to spend. It shows um, that obviously they really are they're showing some conviction in, in buying this guy and also. They also, similar to Everton, do desperately need some reinforcements because they are rock bottom at the moment. Um, so I, I was disappointed that we couldn't secure his services. But while I, he was on my wish list, I always thought it would be a little bit of a long shot getting him to go to Sun Park. Um, yeah, curious I mean, you, your thoughts, Alex. Yeah, I mean, you and Sean pretty much said it, right? The, the only thing I'll add is <clears throat> I don't know that we can really afford to make our mar marquee signing someone that hasn't really had like any good patches or consistent patches of form for a couple of years at Atletico, right? I mean, don't get me wrong. We were completely cool with signing him, but I'm saying for anywhere near that amount of money, I'd much rather go for someone that could be more impactful um, quicker and, and someone maybe that could, could for sure play out wide. Um, but that brings us to our last rumor. Um, this one we have not touched on. 
And, you know, we kind of, I mean, we've discussed him on the squad assessment and, you know, how do we, how do we fix our midfield issues and, and what kind of personnel play where, because, you know, all of them have played numerous roles throughout the season, Onana and Amobi switching sides, you know, Onana sitting deep, Onana playing box to box. Next thing you know, he's posted up on the back line because Dominic Calvert-Lewin's not in. We need someone taller to knock the ball down. Um, the rumor is Fulham are interested, and this is from, from Fabrizio Romano, Fulham are interested in Abdullah Ducore. He's one of the targets for the January window. Um, it's still the early stages um, as Everton haven't fully decided if I guess we would like to sell. Um, obviously, he played under Marco Silva before and they know each other very well. Um, I'm cur- cu- curious to hear your thoughts, James, on the potential for Ducore to leave. You know, all of this should be in the context that Davies is injured. Um, I believe Garner is going to be out for somewhere around another month, month and a half or so. Um, so those are two midfielders that will be missing um, straight off the bat. Yeah, this one's really interesting because I don't get the feeling that Frank loves Decore very much. Nope. Or certainly prefers Onana over him based on evidence from this season. And he has a longstanding relationship with Marco Silva. He played with them both at Wofford. And then obviously, you know, that relationship is is longstanding. You'd think Decore would be keen to play under him again, especially if he's not getting the minutes he needs at Everton. I think right now with the lack of midfield depth, as you pointed out with the injuries, I, I feel like we can't afford to let him go. I still think he's good. I know a lot of people have kind of changed or shifted their opinions on him. I mean, there were times last season where we go on a stretch of, Long stretches where we every game talk about wow, it's incredible the amount of ground that that Decore can cover. What an animal in midfield! Unbelievable getting around, using his body, the physicality, winning the ball back. Um, and I, I still think he has that in him and is capable of it, but he hasn't really been able to get in the team consistently. And to be fair, when he's been on, he hasn't been, I don't think, as great as he was. Yeah. In seasons past. Um, so it's, it'd be interesting. The deal would be a very interesting one. I'm sure that, that Fulham, I, I think he, I think it's a move he'd be up for. It's a question of whether we'll allow it. And right now I feel like that's unlikely. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, the, uh, sorry, go ahead. Sorry. Garrett. Yeah. I was just gonna say, I feel like they, you know, we'd have to have someone kind of lined up to bring him in. Cause as, as you said, it would be a big depth issue if we did let him go. Um, but that aside, I wouldn't really have a problem with seeing him leave. Um, as you said, he can cover a lot of ground, but we have two other players who, who can do that. I don't think he's kind of worth having just from a he-can-run standpoint because I think he's really poor on the ball in general. Um, I think Carlo kind of was able to, to get the best out of him in terms of his ability with the ball at his feet. But, you know, when he has played this season, although, you know, you can say it's unfair to judge him because he hasn't really had a consistent run of games, but he's just consistently making bad passes, making the wrong decision. Um, and, and I think at this point, we, we're we already poor enough in possession that having him, I just don't really think we can afford to play him that much. So, um, you know, if we're not going to play him, maybe we do sell. Um, but the injury to Garner, which I didn't actually know about until right now. So I just looked that up. That's uh, unfortunate. Um, yeah, we might not be able to sell in January because of that, but maybe in the summer, I wouldn't have a problem with it. Well, see, so here's the interesting thing, right? One year ago under Rafa Benitez, Ducore was playing in an advanced role and he scored, you know, a solid handful of goals before obviously the team as a whole just regressed astronomically. Um, I remember he even spoke about, you know, his goals target and, you know, if, if you look back at his time at Watford, especially his later time at Watford prior to signing to Everton, he even played in that 10 role. I think we talked about even, um, was it in Australia or, or somewhere recently he played an advanced midfield role under Frank too. It's interesting because, you know, we, we really don't see him as that. Um, I don't know that maybe that's his like strongest role, but the interesting thing is, you know, it's not like we're just uh, gleaming with goals here. Our current midfield hasn't been working. Um, you know, the other interesting piece about Decore is too, he's, he's now about to be on the wrong side of, of 30. I believe that he's one of our uh, more uh, higher earned uh, players in terms of wages on the books. Um, you know, Marco Silva likes him a lot. January means that, you know, maybe in theory you could charge a bit more than you would, let's say the summertime. So, you know, the financial aspects, I think, are a big positive, especially if you feel like, you know, if you're not going to play him or you're not going to get more output from him than you would, say, Tom Davies or Garner, because, again, they've been coming off the bench before he has every single time, pretty much. Um, No matter what the role is, then, you know, what do you do? 
I just two... realized actually his contract expires in the summer. Okay. Well, that there adds. you it's go. It's a team option though. It, I, I believe so. If the team wanted to re-up him, uh, I believe it it extends for another year. Okay, so we but... can extend for another year. And well, then that sell. explains it because he would yeah. he, in January he'd be able to agree to a pre-contract if that wasn't true, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless unless Fulham specifically wanted him now, you know, for the for I mean they're not even really in the relegation battle at this point, um, right? I, I think he. I think that's. Uh, he's the type of guy that I think, given where we're at, if you can get eight to ten million for him, because this is, you know, what's going to happen is if we don't sell him, and I'm not saying we. I'm. I really don't actually have a true opinion on this yet, just given the depth and whatnot. But I think you guys make a good point in regards to where he's at in the pecking order, even when he is called upon. This is this could turn into another Yerry Mina situation where let's just say we get to the summer, we decide not to even re-up him because if, if he's not in the plans, right, why, you know, uh, trigger another year of wages when you're not going to play anybody? Um, but also given he, he's actually had a weird injury record, given I would probably say the last 12 months. Remember the stress fr- fracture he had, um, I believe it was – the last part of last season um you know he came into this year right he was starting games and then he got hurt um so you know obviously I think we'll always have a soft spot for DeCorey because I think he's he wanted to come here and obviously his first year he was excellent and when he has played he's been pretty decent but he's kind of one of those guys that I feel like if we can get you know eight to ten million for him um given you know what you said Alex he's on the wrong side of 30 I think we got to do it so transfer market has his market value at twelve million euros, which mm-hmm. is basically you know at parity with half, the dollar. Of, half of what we pay for him, right? So yeah, we paid we played roughly twenty five. If yeah. that's rumors are to be believed, he is thirty on the first day of January. Um, so so sell him on December thirtieth, so you can uh, yeah, yeah. Say this <laughs> get that get that under thirty premium. <laughs> Uh, no, I mean, I th- I, personally, I just, I think right now he's a better player than both Tom Davies and James Garner. I think, I agree. I think Agreed. that's, I don't know. I don't think that's controversial. Maybe it is. So if you're looking at bench options, okay, we're immediately not only losing midfield depth, but losing a player who's better than a lot of what would remain in terms of current options. Um, that said the contract one, the contract situation is interesting because it doesn't feel like Frank is super high on him. Um, and, and actually the, inter- the injury mention is interesting too, Sean. I kind of forgot about it cause it's never been like one super long-term injury, but he missed, I think six weeks with that f- stress fracture. Um, and he's had a couple other injuries as well. So I think it's one of those situations though, James, that I like, I'm kind of torn because I agree. I still think he's good. I don't think he's as bad as people think he is, but it's kind of, you see with a lot of our players, like Alon, Rondon, you know, right. Mina. And I know it's kind of spoken in the discord with Yeri, right? Just because now it's kind of, we have no really chance of selling him. Um, but it's kind of, he's kind of one of those players where it's like, he still has value. He has a few suitors, right? Of course, Marco is a gigantic fan of him. Um, I wouldn't really hesitate selling them to him relative to Forrest, given just kind of where they're at in the table. And I think where their future prospects are. But also, too, we got a loan spot, right? So it's like if, if, if the team has an idea of maybe getting another depth piece in uh, somewhere in the midfield, right? And and if that funding, um, given also, too, just getting those other guys off the way just similar to Rondon can, can get us another guy, right? I think we have to think about it at least pretty hard. Yeah, I, I just want to make one more point about Decore before we uh, wrap it up here. And that is, you know, time is also an investment, right? Like playing time on the pitch for every single player is an investment. And I don't know that I don't know that Frank maybe thinks that Davies or Garner are necessarily better, but maybe the question is, is he better than them in a manner that is so large that he should, you know, keep them on the bench and um, not give them game time in a season that maybe, you know, they can mess up and gain the experience because we're not expecting ourselves to even get close to, you know, let's say, I don't know, 10th or eighth. Um, you probably laugh at that, but I'm, that's but the point the, I'm making, right? Like you, you, are they like, are they really that different? I mean, I don't know. I, Especially the role that I he's playing. Davis, I'd say Tom Davis. Yes. But I think Garner, I think Garner is significantly better than Davis and, is not too far off Decore at this point, especially in possession. I think Garner is definitely better. Yeah, right. That's an interesting so, one. I, yeah. I mean, Alex, I would just I, I see the point you're making, but also like if we were comfortably mid table, it'd be a totally different picture. Yeah, it's, it's like you need to play your best players now. But I'm saying the margin is that slim, though, right? Like, yeah, that's, that's fair. He thinks 
that literally whatever role they're subbing on to do, which is keep possession or, you know, sit in front of the back four or whatever that is, he offers no more than they do is, you know, I, I know he's, he's one, for example, that is, has really uh, hyped up Tom Davies positional awareness, for example. I've heard that I think at least once or twice from yeah, Frank. Yeah, but give me a give me a break, man. Like we know what Tom Davies is at this point. Like you're not gonna you're not gonna sell me that Tom Davies. I'm not. You know, That's not what I. Ago. No, no. I'm. I'm <laughs> I know you're not. I'm just I'm just playing it up here. But like, I feel like as a fan base and as a club, we should have a pretty pretty be pretty dialed in on what Tom Davies is and isn't as a player. And for me, like he's nowhere near Decore. But. I don't know. I mean, obviously, like he'll go to, if he goes to Fulham, he's jumping way up the table. He's going to a team who are miles better than us at the moment. So I don't know what why he wouldn't be reunited with a manager who really likes him, get away from a manager who seemingly doesn't. So for him, depending on the wages and everything, I mean, he may have to take a pay cut. But I mean, this is his last major contract, right? So right. So he's going to milk it for all last, in quotes guarantee playing time. So it makes perfect sense. Topology says he's on 120 grand a week right now. Yeah. Okay. So I believe it. Take it back. So, yeah. yeah he's know, one of the highest. money. Yeah. He was worth that two years ago when he was playing every game and he was a main same midfield. But yeah. Okay. I didn't realize that it was that high. And, and obviously that may not even be accurate. We never really know. But if it's, if it's even a hundred K or in that vicinity, okay. He's not delivering on what we're paying him. Let's let's at least no, recoup some even, sort of. No, he's not even a first choice player, right? Like he's a rotational option. All right, folks, that is a wrap on this Twitter Space version of the American Toffee Podcast. Really hope you enjoyed it. If you did, leave us a rating and review on your podcast platform of choice. Go back and check out our three part mid year squad assessment that we released over the course of the World Cup. Had a lot of fun with it, even if the results are a little concerning for Everton as we head into the second half of the campaign. If you want to follow us on social media, definitely shoot us a follow on Twitter, especially. We're most engaged on that platform uh, at USA Toffee Pod, so you can get notified for the next space that we host. We'd like to do them more regularly, and we love interacting with our listeners uh, out there and giving you guys a chance to contribute to the show. If you have any feedback for us, reach out Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Gmail, all of the above. Really appreciate you all. We're looking forward to the Boxing Day match in the ensuing post-match episode of this show. Until then, until next time, up the toffees.